stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I am your host, the Fantasy Cajun himself, Adam Bryce, along with my co-host, Mr. FF Littlefinger, Vincent Argrave. Uh, tonight, we are going to go through our first rookie Superflex PPR mock draft. That is a mouthful, Vincent. Yes, it is. And thank God you got it out because I was swallowing a nice glass of bourbon. I have the lights dim. The candles are lit because it's fucking mock draft time, baby. So the mood is set, and I am fucking primed, and your mouth is full. So let's do it. All right. Well, this is what we're going to do tonight, guys. We are Vincent and I are going to do a two-man, 12-team mock draft tonight. I'm going to start at odds. Vincent's going to start at evens. And we're going to go through the first uh, few rounds of a rookie mock draft. Um, so with that being in mind, this is a super flex. I will start off the draft with team one. And right off the bat, Vincent, I don't think this should be any argument whatsoever. If I'm the first pick in a rookie Superflex draft, I am running to the table. I don't care what quarterbacks I have. I am running to the table to draft Joe Burrow. No, and you can't go wrong. And one thing for people to understand right now before we get too far down the rabbit hole, part of the reason we're doing odds and evens is we can talk about it each pick in our own time and just, you know, go a little deeper in some of the rookie drafts. But – we tried a couple times on Sleeper and a couple of the other formats, and they did not value the quarterbacks. Even when I, we set the settings for two quarterback leagues, the draft um, rankings didn't really upscale enough. So unless we automatically program Joe and Tua in, um, they do the redraft format and go by the con, the ADPs right now, and that doesn't really affect – current ADP isn't going to really affect Dynasty. So we feel that you get a better representation like this. But, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot to be said about the first two picks. You know, if you have a super flex – um, you know, especially with ones we're going to do, Joe Burrow's an LSU guy. He's going to start. If you need a quarterback, if you don't need a quarterback, if he's your third or your fourth quarterback, well, then somebody on your team just became trade bait. You know, if you had a Tannehill or, you know, if you have, you know, a Derek Carr, somebody, you know, that you were playing in like as a two QB super flex type of spot where he has value. Well, now you maybe you could package that and upgrade at another position. So I think Burrow is a safe pick. He's a great pick. Um, I'm going to go right behind you at number two because I think everything is the same. I personally go Tua because I do think that he is a uh, franchise guy. I don't think that he is fragile. I think he has been injured, and I hope that Miami can keep him upright enough. And I think that both for the future and maybe on the back half of this year, he's going to be able to – playable value right now um i know that you know once we get here at three people are gonna start picking their poison and it, depending on what your needs were you know if you're a rb star team or a wide receiver star team you know i can understand wanting to it, really with burrow or two i don't think that there's enough separation between the two of them to where if you had the 101 or the 102 or the 103 if one of those quarterbacks are on the board and you need a running back or one of those quarterbacks in the world, you need a receiver and you have a guy, like I understand going to a different spot. But if you don't need a quarterback and you were going to take a running back there, I would look to trade back personally. But for the sake of the mock, we're not going to – we can't do too many trades because we got too many – we're drafted for six teams each. So I'm going to go two at number two. And, I, I mean, it's, good, it's a great year to be in the one-two spot 
and not have to think too hard about it. And really it's just all the options are all beneficial to you. You know, Benson, I'm, I'm in a situation at sitting at team two that you're drafting for uh, in our own dynasty league. And, you know, I have this situation that I'm tussling with that I'm, I know what I'm ultimately going to do, but it, it is an interesting situation being there because I do think Tua is a franchise quarterback and you're not going to hear any arguments from me picking him number two overall. They're just not going to be many. The only argument I have is, you know, can he stay healthy? But if he stays healthy to me, he can be just as good as Joe Burrow. Oh no, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, you know, his career stats, Joe had a um, historic year, but Tua had a better career. Now, you know, it's, you know, you play the competition you play and you play with the players you play with. And, you know, he has, you know, Tua has two receivers that are in, you know, the top five in dynasty format. So, you know, and Joe has one and, you know, the top five or six, depending on how you rank them. So they're throwing to NFL talent, playing very good teams half of the year. And at Alabama, you're playing really bad teams the other half of the year. So, you know, Tua's numbers are you know, benefit have benefited from some opponents, but he's also had to play, you know, the best of the best as well. So I, I feel good about either. And again, in your situation, if I'm at the one, two and I, you know, somebody behind me needs a quarterback, I'm freaking, you know, I'm calling you, you know, if I need, if I'm at four and I need a quarterback and you're will, so I know somebody in the top two is willing to move back. I mean, you got to make an offer and it needs to be, it needs to, it needs to freaking come, you know, it's, it can't be one of these weak, you know, try to just win the deal offer like dynasty is not about what team gets the better trade it's about what's better for your team even more so like i fund- fundamentally we were just talking right before we started about how i look at trades differently than a lot of people and we're going to talk about strategies but the one thing that i fundamentally believe like if my team gets better i don't care if i make you better like i hope i don't make you too much better but at the same time like if you get the better end of the deal for your team but my team at the same time gets better fuck you. Like, let's, let's do it. Like, let's go. Like I'm about me. I don't care about other people. I'm packaging what I think. So if I got to give up something and again, a dynasty, it's not about winning the trade for this year. That's why they do it. I mean, people giving up multiple first round picks in multiple years, you know, for these to move up one spot and two spots just to get ahead of somebody else. So, you know, you want to move up, you better come to pay. And people need to remember you got multiple years to play with too. So, you know, send a couple of ones if you need to. Yeah, and you make some good points in, 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 that, in those regards. It really is all comes down to, you know, if people really have, you know, the cojones or the 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 nuts to actually want to do something like and, and maybe try to mortgage a future for someone, say, like a Joe Burr or to a – but, you know, this is the luxury of having a dynasty league and being in a dynasty league. It's as if you're running your own team. So, you know, you often may criticize the Oakland Raiders for taking Henry Ruggs or someone like that. Well – you know, you're going to be on the clock at some point. Would you take him? Would you not take him? This is this is why you're in a dynasty league, so you can make those decisions. You can trade back when you're telling the Saints they should trade back instead of trading up every every NFL every draft. Every year, yep. Well, yeah, I'm, these... I'm, I'm going to be ecstatic when Ruggs falls to me at 112 in our dynasty league. So I'm going to be freaking doing all Chucky. Knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> well, uh, well, we're going to find out because I'm, I'm sitting at team three, uh, pick three, and – you know, again, I think you made a good point earlier about talking about, you know, picking your poison here. To me, in this this pick, there's really only two picks that I think you're choosing from. But me personally, I'm probably a little more biased towards LSU. 
Um, but I feel that Clyde Edwards Elair just landed in, in an ultimate spot in Kansas City. And to me, he's going to be a Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy uh, clone for the next, you know, six to seven years in the Andy Reid offense led by Patrick Mahomes, who's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, I, to me, as long as Edwards Elair stays healthy, it, it's going to be just, it's going to be a great offense. Westbrook and McCoy with Donovan McNabb had top five PPR seasons after season after season. So to me, the surefire pick here is Claude Edwards Elair, LSU. Team three. Well, I think uh, as much as you think of the future of Clyde, he also has the highest redraft value. So he is a plug and play. He's going to your lineup week one this year, even if he's not getting a share of the carries um, week one. He's still going to have value. He's only going to gain carries and gain um, timeshare, even if uh, Damien starts the beginning of the year. So it is absolutely these three are probably going to be at the top three in every super flex draft. You know, one quarterback's, I mean, I'd completely, it's a whole different draft. But then Clyde's easily in the one-on-one talk if he's not easily the one-on-one. So, uh, you know, it's a very safe pick. You've had two very safe picks. Like normal, I have to work harder than you do because, you know, it's it's my lot in life. You, you know, you're the brains. I'm the talent. So it's harder <laughs> just being pretty. But, um, so yeah, I, I agree with the pick. I like it. I'm probably going to go off the reservation a little based off of your rankings. But if I'm looking at dynasty and I, at this point, I think people have, this is where the split comes. Clyde's the only person that bridges the gap between quality, like, uh, number one running back upside redraft and dynasty together. Um, I think you have, people like Keyshawn Vaughn and Cam Akers who have high redraft value. Um, and then I think you have Jonathan Taylor and uh, DeAndre Swift who have uh, better dynasty value. But I, if, if push comes to shove and I'm the number four and I'm okay at, you know, my positions, I mean, obviously you're one four, you didn't finish fucking great, you know, but maybe you had some injuries. Maybe you tanked late in the year, just move up for a position, you know, if, I'm not reaching for Herbert right here unless I'm really desperate for quarterback. I mean, if I got one quarterback on my team, I guess I would go for it. But I am going to go with J.K. Dobbins, um, my number four pick, because I think that – I think the stars, the more you look, the more you hear, um, and the situations they're in, that Baltimore offense is not changing. Matt Patricia may not be there. Um, for DeAndre Swift, you know, I, nobody can guarantee what the future holds for them. You know, we know that the coaching staff and Indy's going to be there, but and John, Jonathan Taylor should be a workhorse eventually. When I'm not sure, but if I think that they both get the opportunity to be RB ones next year, and J.K. Dobbins is the better running back situation. So in a dynasty league, I'm going Dobbins at four. Okay. I mean, I think I don't, it's hard for me to argue a pick like that because as you said earlier, it is kind of a pick your poison with some of these running backs. There may not be a clear cut, uh, you know, top one, two running back in this rookie class. Instead you have 
five or six running backs who landed in some landed in a good situation, some not so much, but all extremely gifted and talented in their own ways. And it really comes down to, you know, who you prefer. And, you know, I said it last podcast and I'll say it again. If there's someone that you want and there's someone that you like, you know, stick your flag there, take your guy and be happy and move forward. Because if you don't, and you're sitting there listening to experts and listen, you know, to the fantasy pandemic, you know, which, Hey, you should be, um, you know, maybe we guide you in a different direction, but maybe you're not happy with that pick, but ultimately we're just here as a guy to try to, you know, push you to the next level, you know, in fantasy football. So when we you know, say these things and we talk about these things, it's just how we personally feel. But if there's someone that you're locked in on, by all means, take them, stick your flag in the ground, take that person, and you're going to be happy at the end of the day because that's the person that you want. Right, and this is the first time I've really felt bad about doing the podcast because right now we pretty much know that people that listen to our podcast are people that we know, and this is the first time that I feel like I gave something away that has any sort of value. But fuck you people, I'm still not trading up for Dobbins because I know I'm going to get talent at 112. Kiss the ring. So... <laughs> Hey, by all means, uh, moving on to pick five, team five. Um, to me, this is a pretty clear uh, clear answer for me. Um, it's my number two rated running back on the board. And you know, I did have Dobbins. I have Dobbins, I think, around four or five, just because uh, in a redraft format, I don't think – I'm not sure his value is going to be there, but I think, you know, what Vincent said about being in a dynasty format, he does present a some more long-term upside being in that offense with Baltimore, that great offensive line next to Lamar Jackson. So he's got some opportunities there. So I, I, it's hard for me to argue that at team four. But this next pick at team – this next pick at team five, you know, pick five, I'm going to roll with someone named Jonathan Taylor. Uh, to me, Taylor was uh, dynamic back out of Wisconsin last year, rushed for over 2,000 yards. He gets drafted by the Indianapolis Colts. And to me, if you ask me today, right now, I think Jonathan Taylor is the RB1 right now in that offense. Because I've never been impressed with someone like Marlon Mack. He's never really done it for me. So to me, Jonathan Taylor ultimately steps in day one and becomes the RB1 in this situation. Well, I think and to me, I think Taylor will, will be the RB1. I don't – he won't be a RB1, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I think they're going to divvy up too much between him, Mac, and um, Hines this year. I just that, – that's what I mean. I think, I think absolutely next year he's, he's a walkaway one. That's, I just side with Dobbins because I think even with both – if they both get all the carries, I just think Dobbins is in a better situation with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore offense, which isn't changing. You know, you got Rivers and then you got Eason – What's John Jonathan Taylor just doesn't have the upside in that offense compared to what I think Dobbins does. So I do think Taylor, and here's the thing, if I'm at 105, which I'm not, but if I'm at 105 and the draft goes like this, like I'm jerking off because I got Jonathan Taylor at 105. Like I'm ecstatic because like you, didn't, you got, you, you have, you know, maybe a top 10 running back next year at the fifth pick and you didn't have to move up for it. And, you know, maybe somebody behind you wants somebody and, you know, I'd pry the name out of their freaking jaws and make them lie to you at least. Because if they wanted somebody else and you can move back a little bit, like if they want one of the big receivers, then, you know, I, it, it's crazy. To, you know, it's, 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 it's a great value at 105. Yeah, I, I totally agree with just everything you just said there. You know, especially about, you know, the J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor situations. You know, we know who Jonathan Taylor's quarterback's going to be this year. 
but we don't know who it's going to be next year. We know who's going to be the quarterback in Baltimore next year. We know who's going to be the coach next year. We So we have a very good idea of where that offense is going to be in the next two to three years. Uh, the same cannot be said for Indianapolis. So that's why I think you, you could you know, lean towards, you know, J.K. Dobbins in a dynasty format. Absolutely. So 106, I want to go ahead and pop this wide receiver cherry. I'm going to go uh, C.D. Lamb, Dallas, uh, number one receiver off the board. Um, I think that he, you know, the more I've kind of looked at it, the more I do think that, you know, even if he just takes the Randall Cobb role, he's going to do more with those catches than Cobb did. Um, you know, I, I, the more I've kind of looked at re-ranking, the kind of the more Cooper falls down, not because, not completely because of Lamb. It's just because Cooper is who Cooper is. And, you know, I kind of went on the hype, and I didn't think this receiver was going to be here because of the faith they had in Cooper. And Cooper is what he is. He always is, has been. And, you know, I, you know, some of this, you know, it's just, you know, I, I can't wrap my head around how exactly it's going to shake out this year because rookie wide receivers usually don't perform the first year, so I'm not going to hold it against Lamb. But we've talked about it before, what Cooper's contract looks like. You know, if they let him go, if it's not going to be at the end of this year, if they can let him go at the end of the next year, and there's almost like no penalty for it. So, CD Lamb, Gallup going forward. And I think the DAC is good enough and the offense is going to be good enough to where they can support three receivers. And CD Lamb's ability to make plays is going to enable him to score a lot of points. Uh, I think that he'll be one of the top two people. And it's funny because I listen to a lot of, uh, so a lot of other shows and, you know, they're not even as high, you know, as Judy. You know, I know you're a big Judy guy, and, you know, I'm pretty high on Judy, but there's a lot of people not nearly, you know, um, pushing, you know, pushing that gas pedal. So I'm going to go Lamb here. I think, you know, I, th- I don't think you can go wrong. I think it's going to be very hard to make a bad pick whenever you draft in the first in the first 12. The first round, there probably will not be a bad pick, unless your name is Jimmy, but he's not playing Dynasty, so. <laughs> um, it, it's hard for me to argue about that, and I understand you know some of the Judy concern because people may not be sold on Drew Locke. So I can understand why C.D. Lamb you know kind of vaults above Jerry Judy in in a dynasty format. I completely understand that. Um, I do. I am a believer in Judy's talent, so I, I do think you know, the cream does rise to the crop. I am starting to buy into Drew Locke a little bit. I still want to see him do it a little bit more on the football field, but I completely understand why people would rate Lamb over Judy. I totally get that. I understand. Um, but in the process, coming down to pick 107, um, I'm sitting here looking on the board, and you know I've drafted you know a couple running backs and a quarterback already through these some of these picks. But at pick 107, I, I see a Todd Gurley-esque replacement for a pretty solid offense in Los Angeles with the Rams and Sean McVay. And to me, I would I, I prefer Cam Akers over DeAndre Swift. I think Cam Akers is in a better situation than DeAndre Swift is in Detroit because, as you said. Not only does you don't know if Matt Patricia is going to be there next season, uh, Matt Stafford is kind of on his last leg. Then you've got Kerryon Johnson there. So <clears throat> there are multiple factors and multiple variables there right now in Detroit that in their dynasty format, I would take Cam Akers at 107, specifically because I think he is, I think he may split some carries with Malcolm Brown. Uh, especially inside the 10, but I think in between the 20s, I think it's going to be you know, a lot of Cam Akers. And to me, Cam Akers was a stud coming out of high school. 
He's still a stud regardless of him, uh, you know, playing with a bad Florida State team. And he, to me, he falls in a pretty good opportunity with the Rams. And, you know, he can catch the ball off the backfield. And, you know, they loved dumping off to Todd Gurley. It wasn't but a season, two seasons ago, that Todd Gurley was the number one running back in fantasy football and PPR formats. I'm not saying Kate Makers can be that today or next season. But I think in the next couple of seasons, if Jared Goff progresses and doesn't regress as he did in 2019 with this offense with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Higby and Everett and, you know, some of their talent on the offensive line, I think, you know, they could take the next step forward. And Cam Akers, to me, uh, fits kind of that Todd Gurley mold with the Rams. That is a that is a bold pick, and I like it. I don't know if I agree with it, but I like the boldness of it. I don't think – I don't necessarily disagree with all the sentiments. I think that there are some um, – I think there's some better values in a couple of spots. Um, obviously, you know, that equity that Detroit did put in with Swift, I completely agree Stafford will be gone, Patricia could be gone. Uh, but, you know, Swift has – Swift probably does not have as easy a competition to beat, but somebody even easier with competition is, uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, who I know we're both high on, so – you know, I, I, I little surprised you went acres over Vaughn there. Um, this is kind of where I separate, and this is where I think the high end receivers matter more. I think that um, Swift personally is my um, last kind of tier, if you will, of dynasty running back um, that I would start looking receiver at this point. So. You know, but yeah, it's great. You know, this is this is why you mock, and we're only mocking with two people. So who knows? Maybe we'll get squirreling while a third person for our next one. But uh, <laughs> you know, everybody has different opinions of people, especially the rookies, because there is not, you know, there's no data to prove it. There's no historic, you know, um, influence. So you're just you're throwing darts and seeing who you like. So it, I, I'm surprised. I am interested. So I'm already I'm already more benefited by this draft than I even thought I was going to be. And I was already pumped about it. So, well, with number eight, I'm going to go with my second wide receiver that I have in Dynasty. So I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Rager. I'm going to go with a team and a coach who's not afraid to throw the ball, who will be the number one receiver at some point, possibly this year, depending on how, you know, bad back and bad uh, core muscle work out. And, you know, if Ertz gets hit the wrong way, you know, he's – going to be in a situation you put Jalen Rager in the same situation as Greg Ward was at the end of last year. Holy shit. You know, it's just, you know, the, there's a whole lot of talent there. Put him in there. I think I do think JJ Arcega Whiteside, you know, they said he played injury a whole lot, injured a whole lot. So I think he could be a good second fiddle to Rager and Rager could have some immediate redraft value and, you know, second half of the year, you're looking at dynasty. Hopefully you have a team. I, for example, have a pretty good wide receiver core on my dynasty team. So Rager would fit great in that regard in the sense that, okay, I don't have to play him the first eight weeks of the season, but the second eight, I have that opportunity to. So hopefully, you know, if you, even if you're in a three wide receiver, you can, you know, put somebody on the bench for a few weeks to see how they pan out. But I think Jalen Rager is going to be the number one in Philly. And, you know, Peterson is not afraid to let Wentz let it loose. And if something happened, the biggest thing, you know, you're worried about people in Philly was, oh, fuck, what happens when Foles is gone? What happens if Carson Wentz goes down? Like, who's going to be able to deliver ball? Well, now you have Jalen Hurts there. I'm high on Hurts. So now I think there is a competent backup. There is a future if Wentz gets hurt. And, you know, I don't want to get want Wentz to get hurt, one, because I own him in Dynasty. And, two, because I think that he is a very good – he – 
if he can stay healthy and his players around him can stay healthy, you know, I think that the Philadelphia offense can go to a next level and Rager can help him get there. So I would be happy with Rager right here at the 108. Again, you know, I think that, you know, people are probably going to think that I reached on Rager and I think you've maybe reached on Acres in some regards. I'm just looking at the next, you know, four people that I would take off the board. I'm like, holy shit, we are going deep on talent in the first round. Yeah, man, it, it's loaded up. And I see the argument for Rager, but I, it would be hard for me. It would be hard pressed for me to pass on, you know, just like you said, Keyshawn Vaughn, who to me, I think is in you know, a very good situation out in Tampa. Now, uh, it really depends on how long Tom Brady is going to be there and what really happens to that offense. But to me, he has immediate appeal for someone who could be uh, an RB2 next season uh, in redraft formats. But Dynasty Appeal, maybe his long-term longevity in, in Tampa Bay could be a little more in question depending on what Tom Brady does. Is that your offense. is that your nine? So, yeah. Um, I'm sitting actually here debating myself right now as I'm sitting here talking because I, I still want to talk All about right, that well, Jalen You make a regular pick. pick and let me help debate against you and you on who you should pick and not. Well, I mean, to me, right now with what I see on the board, to me, there's only two choices here. To me, it's either Jerry, Judy, or Keyshawn God, you were so Okay, so talk about Rager, and then we'll come back to your choice. Let's not get too out of order, because you said you had something to say about Rager. <laughs> well, and I think it just goes back to Judy. I, like, I think Rager is in a good situation. Um, you know, there's not really a whole lot of receiving talent in Philly. And I know you, you just said something highly about J.J. Archega Whiteside, but I watched him a good bit last year because I own him in Dynasty. And to me, no, he no, was no, Jeff, hold on, hold on. I, don't, I don't know. Definitely not going to get fucking labeled as a fucking J.J. Archega Whiteside guy. Like, there's two <laughs> of us on this podcast, and I refuse to be labeled as that guy. I just think that he did – he was a rookie one. And he is not near the caliber as half of these fucking guys. And two, he did play injured, which I'm beginning to think that the fucking NFC East has a medical like dystopia of fucking retards, like as medical trainers, like the Redskins literally like almost murder people. Philly can't keep anybody healthy. The Giants drop like flies, you know, Dallas gets, you know, they just feed them with booze, but then they get hurt in the off. They they get drunk in the off season and get fucking suspended, so they don't have to worry about get. They smoke yeah. too much weed yeah, the off yeah. season. Either they're, 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 they're either drunk or they're smoking or they're banging fucking coeds, so they get suspended. You know, they don't have time to get hurt because they only play half the season to begin with. And it's like, what the, the NFC East is? It's just a hot mess. Like I'm not saying any of them are bad or good and different. They're just a absolute fucking hot mess. So I almost blame the division for the. Turn the the medical history of a lot of these players. So either way, I think that if how about this? The a bigger argument for Rager is Alshon's gone, Deshaun's gone, and it's him and fucking JJ. Like okay, I pretty much know where the and the tight ends. At least they draw attention. So I feel good about that. And I do think I I, I do think JJ will improve this year a little bit. But um, I I don't know. I just I think. Opportunity is there, and opportunity matters a lot more to running backs to me. But with these circumstances, similar to Ruggs and some of these other guys, the opportunity is for Rager is phenomenal. I and here I, Lamb's not even in that thing. I think Lamb's the talent and the offense, and 
you know, a lot of people have talked about the landing spot for the receivers. Nobody kind of went where everybody wanted them to go. The people that went to the great opportunities weren't the high-end guys. You know, Lame and Judy are in good situations, but they're not in a Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation. Very few people ended up with, like, holy shit, like the stars aligned and freaking, you know, the clouds part, right. you, know, you know, the angels sang. Yeah. Um, I, now I will say this, the, the person I'm picking at, at one nine, and I'll say this, if you're someone who is needing a running back in this, in this spot, and maybe you are a running back away from competing for a dynasty championship, to me, the only other running back on this board right now that would return that immediate value is Keyshawn Vaughn, and that's who I will take at one nine, going over to Tampa Bay. Um, let's be honest, Ronald Jones is Fuck not Ronald very Jones. good. He <laughs> can't catch. He's 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 bad. Rojo is is awful. Keyshawn Vaughn can do it all. He's a three down back. I think he fits what, exactly what Tom Brady looks for in a running back. Um, to me, he could end up catching 40 to 50 passes and rushing for eight or 900 yards this season. And to me, that would probably put him close to an RB2 category, um, depending on the touchdowns he scores. But if everyone thinks uh, the Tampa Bay offense is going to be as high flying as it really is with Evans, Godwin, you know, Gronk and Brady and Vaughn, then you really want a piece of that offense. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn could return immediate RB2 return next season if that's something you're looking for. His longer term for a dynasty purposes really kind of I think hinges on Brady and whether they would you know be able to get another quarterback in after Brady. Because let's be honest, Brady you know maybe has a max of two to three seasons left in him. So um, is that good enough to ride Keyshawn Vaughn for two to three years at, at that type of a pace to pick him at one nine? Yes. No, I you know I don't think it's a bad pick. I mean I don't think. Honestly, you know, if you want to make an argument for you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, the second running back off the board, if you need a running back this year for some longevity, because here's the thing, you know, you a lot of these running backs, there's not a whole lot of point for drafting a running back for the future. You know, like you can make an art, you can see Dobbins, Swift, and Taylor's opportunity next year. Like you can see it. There is opportunity this year, but you see the one potential next year. Um, Vaughn, you can see it this year. Acres, you can see it this year and possibly moving up. And even then, I think it may be a little more muddled than those guys next year. But to me, like, and, you know, when you look at Dynasty, I mean, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks hold up more. Now, the wide receivers usually take longer. But it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's the risk reward because the wide receivers usually take, you know, there's the, the year three breakout for the receivers. Rookie running backs can come in and play immediately. So, um, I think Vaughn is one of those that will have that immediate opportunity. His upside, you know, is limited. You know, Mike Wright on the fantasy footballer said something the other day that, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he can see Keyshawn Vaughn being the guy that when we're talking about drafting next year at the end of the season, like, damn, how did we, who, who got drafted ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn? Because that's the season that he could have, like, he could be that guy, like, holy shit, how did we miss this guy? Like, how was he not like the one Oh two, you know? How is he not right behind Clyde? And, you know, it's absolutely could be possible. But in Dynasty, you know, I mean, regardless, once you start, you know, having to be responsible for these guys and owning these guys and having them forever, the longevity does matter. So, you know, I tend to go that route. Um, I, you know, this is a guy that's fallen too far. You know, this is a situation like I'm at the 112 in my league. You know, if I see this guy falling. Maybe I do jump to the 110. But, uh, I, you know, I'm going Jerry Judy. 
you know, he's fallen too far. You know, he was our number one, number two receiver coming into the draft. Um, I was Lamb, you were Judy, but he was my two. And, you know, I, I am a Drew Locke um, optimist. I won't say I'm a believer, but I do hope it's there. And I think they'll give him time to develop. I think the running game will protect him. And I think it's good. I don't know if Judy will deliver this year because I think they are going to try to protect Locke with the running game and a safe tight end and an experienced wide receiver with Sutton, who is a true, you know, number one. But next year, if Locke can make the step or maybe at the back end of this year, I mean, their offense is absolutely freaking primed to go. And if you talk to any Denver Bronco fans, they will freaking tell you, Jesus Christ, they are coming out of the woodwork. Like all the Patriots fans, like either put on a Tampa or a Bronco hat once Brady left. Like they're coming out of, you know, they like the Homer Simpson fucking uh, gift. They step back into the bush with a Patriots hat and they come back <laughs> holding the Tampa Broncos to see who's eight and eight first. Um, which it would be at the same time. I fucking get it, people. But um, yeah, so I'm going to go Judy here. You know, it's a high upside opportunity. You you like to say the cream rises to the, to the, uh, to the top. He is a superior talent to even some of the people that I took before him. But to get him at the 110 and that upside, I'm ecstatic. Yeah, I, look, there's no arguments for me here. I getting Jerry Judy at one ten. That that would if I was sitting at ten and Judy's comes into my lap, I would be doing a backflip. I will say probably. though, I did, I did now, debate, I and I, I maybe it's the direction you go at this point. I haven't gone as many running backs, and I do think it may be a philosophical. Like you see a lot of value in some of these running backs, and I kind of see it more in dynasty. I was debating there personally, not trying to pressure you. You go, you do you. But it was tough to watch Swift fall as far as he has because I do think there is serious value there. And I would have taken Swift a couple ahead of those running backs, but it's kind of I, – I guess I'm higher on those receivers, and this is where some of these running backs kind of would have settled in for me. Well, and this is this is kind of where you know where we're gonna feel my personal ranking about Swift because I also think in most dynasty you know rookie drafts I think you're gonna see a lot more Judys ahead of ahead of Jalen Ragers and not to say you know that was a bad no, pick yeah. at all but uh, I just I think the Jerry Judy name probably carries a lot more weight than Jalen Rager and most people who are probably in these types of leagues are probably you know thinking name alone because they've watched Judy a lot with Alabama being on national television every week and T. You really wasn't right. on national television every well, week, so uh, Judy is the bigger honest, name. It, this this mock is awful, like bullshit for our league because Justin Jefferson would have been drafted like at the fucking one hundred and four. So <laughs> now I I hope that is not the case um, with our league personally because uh, there's so much talent on the board. Now I will say this at one eleven, uh, I would be definitely hopping to the board to draft Justin Jefferson. And that's who I'm going to take at 111. Uh, to me, um, and I think you're right. I think he may go a little earlier than I hope. He, I hope he falls it, one more pick. Oh, he very well could because you know DeAndre Swift is still on the board. Justin Herbert is still on the board. There's still some talent. Henry Ruggs is still on the board. Really, who who are you going to take here in this situation? It, to me, it's just the plethora of talent that is available um, in you know the first. I'd say you know. 
18 no picks doubt. or so that there's just a lot of talent available to me. And I wouldn't be happy with any one of these guys, especially Justin Jefferson, 11, who to me lands in a great spot to re- replace Steph Diggs in Minnesota. Uh, I do worry about the offense a little bit because they, they're very run centric and run heavy with Dalvin cook. Um, and they do like to focus on Adam Thielen. That was one of the problems that Diggs had because he felt like he was not getting the ball enough, but Justin Jefferson is not that type of player. He is someone who is a team player and is just going to go out and do his job. And to me, he fits very well in that offense because he's such a great route runner along with Thielen, and he's got great hands. He basically catches anything that comes his way. Um, to me, he can offer some immediate redraft value and long-term dynasty value as you know a receiver in Minnesota because to me, he's automatically going to jump in and hop into that wide receiver two spot in Minnesota. So yeah, um, pick one eleven, uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that's 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 crazy good value. I would love for him to fail for one more spot for personal opinion, but um, you know, at, at this point, I think DeAndre Swift has fallen too far. The value is fucking incredible. He's going to arguably be the third running back off of some dynasty drafts. You know, I'm going to get him as the one, two, three. I'm going to get him as the sixth running back off the board in this redraft or this dynasty draft. Um, and at the 12th pick, you know, I think, you know, week four, he could be plug and play. Um, he is as likely this year as any of these other guys um, that have to really compete for a spot, you know, not necessarily Vaughn, but even acres. Cause I think that he's a safer path, but there's just as much chance of He has the more injury. He has the most injury prone back in front of him. You know, carry on's got banged up as much or more than anybody and not like little stuff. So yeah, I, I, it's a great value. Um, he could be a bell cow and I don't think with his skill set, he has to be, you know, I think literally if, if, if Keyshawn like, you know, gets his ACL blown out tomorrow and you put DeAndre Swift with like Bo Scarborough, like that's a good match, you know, because Bo can go in and punish him for a handful of carries, give Swift a breather, but he can play every down and, I, it's a it's an incredible value. I never I would have lost all sorts of money if he would have fell here. But um, I'm really high on the next kind of round of receivers that we have. But to me, Judy and Jefferson ended that kind of cap in that tier um, for me, um, where I would be willing to pass on you know Swift. Yeah, I mean, you know, one person to me, surprisingly, who fell out of our first round um, was Henry Ruggs. Um, Oakland was not shy by making him the first receiver off the board this year. But, you know, we look at this this mock draft that we just did for uh, dynasty purposes, and we are three receivers, four receivers in, and Henry Ruggs hasn't come off the board yet. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you think that's logistically possible um, in a in a draft such I as this think one, Rugs is not on the board, not off the board, not because of my wide receivers pick, which because you only took one, but because of the running backs you took. So it's all going to come down to people. And look, and like you said, like you mentioned a second ago, Herbert's not drafted, so he has this is a super flex, and he has immense value in a super flex. So depending on when you draft, he may have even more value. You know, if you draft, you know, closer to the season and, you know, either something happened to Tyrod or, you know, they're what you hear out of camp is Herbert's freaking lightning on fire or Eason's lightning it up. You know, yeah, there's 
a whole lot of opportunity for these guys. And, you know, that's not including injury or anything else. So I think that um, some of the running backs went higher than maybe I expected, but that's not that I disagree with any of the picks because in a dynasty, the one thing that fluctuates is compared to redrafts because, you know, people don't do mocks. Mocks or redrafts are good because the whole um, the whole league is on the board and everybody kind of has – yeah, it's like everybody has different opinions, but as far as rookies go, you kind of rank them and just if I think this guy has more value, that's fine. But once you add dynasty, every team's buildup is different. And you know what? Like you're looking at the teams, you know, you're drafting 9, 10, 11, 12, unless you traded for those picks. Those are the top four people in your league. So they have a pretty balanced team. So they probably have less holes. So people in the front half are probably going to take the two quarterbacks in the super flex, and then they're going to fill their need. And I think like our land pick at six, my land pick at six, excuse me, may not be a good pick because that person may need something. So I think we did a pat us on the back, not that we actually planned this at all, but I think it's a good representation of, you know, maybe I had unlucky and I want to build for the future and I have some lamb, you know, I, I, I know I'm not, I don't think I can win it this year with what I have, but I think I'm close and I want to build and then, or some people think I'm really close. I can win right now. Give me acres. And if it hits, I can fucking make a run. So, you know, I, that's where I think rugs falls off, but that's also if I'm the one Oh six and I need a receiver right now, I don't, I don't think rugs is a bad pick at all. If that's what you want. Cause you know, you need somebody week one. Rugs is the safest week one rod receiver right now, and I don't think it's close. Yeah, it, it's. I I will say I think it's close with Jefferson and Rager to be honest with you, but I think Rugs is in for a heavy workload. You're not taking a receiver that high without trying to feed him the ball, whether it you know be on deep post patterns or getting him involved in the running game and some screens or some reverses or something like that, which you know to me is why. Um, while he's not someone I'm big on, but I think the opportunity, the workload that he could get, uh, the balls he could get thrown his way, I think he's you know too good of an option to pass up, you know, for team one pick, you know, two oh one. I will take Henry Ruggs out of Oakland, and now I pair Henry Ruggs with Joe Burrow. So I'm forming, you know, I've got the best quarterback in the draft. You know, some say Henry Ruggs is one of the best receivers in the draft. I don't really feel that way. Um, but I, I love to see him falling to, you know, in the second round of a, of a dynasty draft like this, you know, especially with, you know, some other talent who are still on the board. Um, definitely a good pick, uh, a very you know timely pick, seeing that he, he fell down to, to yeah, these next four picks show you how, as much as I think the full second round has value, I, mean, I really think the, you know, up until sixth probably, and we'll make the, you know, we'll make a benchmark when we get there. Um, in the second, you have the top six picks. You have really solid value. Um, and the person that I was close on splitting when I took um, Swift at the end, but I thought it was just even a better value. But if I'm in the second pick, you're pairing with rugs. I want to pair um, Tua with uh, Michael Pittman because I do think yeah. that he offers a completely different skill set than the guys right now in Indy. And – I think that he can still perform while T.Y. and Phillip Rivers fade out. He can arise like a phoenix from the ashes and hopefully um, continue to build value. You know, I was you know, pretty high on Pittman prior to the draft. I'm high on him for a redraft. And for Dynasty, I think some of these guys maybe have 
a little bit higher upside, but not by much. I mean, I actually have, you know, dynasty wise, I have him um, fourth. So I actually have him a spot above Jefferson. My personal bias would probably put Jefferson ahead of him. Um, but I think Pittman is one of the few receivers who landed in a great landing spot um, for what he does and what he offers. So, you know, our 101 and 102 are fucking crushing this draft right now. Yeah, man, I, I look, I, I'm with you right there on Pittman because I'm just as high on him as you are. Um, I, it was a debate between Ruggs and Pittman there, but I just felt like, you know, just doing something a little different because, I mean, I, I'm more than likely I'd probably take Pittman in that situation just as a personal preference. But with the value that I thought Ruggs had presented being here at, at two, I thought he was too good to pass up in that situation. But I, I, I believe in Pittman as well, and I think, um, I think in a redraft and dynasty long term, he has uh, a lot of good upside no doubt, no and value. Doubt. What you got at three? Yeah. Uh, at three, um, I, you know, I think it, it's kind of clear here. I'm going to go ahead and take the third quarterback off the board, and that's Justin Herbert. You know, to me, he's going to have the opportunity. That's for damn sure. And if you happen to hit and you spend a second round pick on him in a super flex draft, that's big. You, you've won big already in this draft. And to me, uh, Herbert's dropped a little bit too far to me in a super flex draft. He's probably somewhere he should go in the mid to late first round, but here he is at two, three, I pair him up with Clyde Edwards, E uh, I get a RB one potentially. And then a quarterback who is going to have an opportunity with some decent talent around. Him yeah. You, you to, said to make it, some you know, plays. maybe should have gone late in the first round. I mean, do you, I, I guess, do you expect it? Because I, I don't know what to expect, you know? And it's one of those things like, for example, we set our draft for uh, the beginning of June. So I, I, I am interested in what people think, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, me and you aren't high on him, but at the same time, you know, I dropped my fucking fab on Mason Rudolph last year. So, you know, quarterbacks freaking matter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, do I truthfully, honestly believe he's going to go to the mid for end of the first round in our personal dynasty draft. No, I don't because I think people number one are probably listening to us uh, who are in that dynasty league and they probably hear our takes. And then they also hear some other expert takes. And I haven't heard too many expert takes that well, are very high on Justin Herbert. Then you just go ahead and just freaking, you know, authorize us. So I appreciate, I like the optimism. So, <laughs> So my Fucking next right, man. Uh, pick is right. going to be very easy because I think now my personal opinion, you, you know, you do you, don't let me trick you, but I think there is a huge wide receiver run coming because um, I'm not sold on a whole lot of these running, by, running backs. I would like them where they fall, but I think for a definite longevity and safety spots because you can play multiple rival series where you can only play run, run one running back usually as far as like the real league and Denzel Mims um if he can avoid the hatchet and the freaking um the cleaning cloth then you know Mims is going to be good he has a great opportunity he is easily going to be um have every opportunity to be a number one on that team and actually with Prasad Perriman and Crowder, it's almost better because they are like the prototypical, like if you're like, what is the most right below mediocre slot receiver? I want Jamison Crowder. I mean, because he does a good job of it. But yeah, he's never going to be great. I want him. And who is a great number two that I don't have to worry about stealing anything, but he can still 
demands a little bit of respect. I want Broussard Perriman. Perfect. So you put Mims opposite those guys. Um, and if Darnold can, you know, get ahead of, you know, the Adam Gase curse, maybe they just tank the first four weeks and Gase is gone. And they just have this resurgence, which would be even better. Um, I just – Mims, if he was not with Adam Gase – and if the Jets have shown any sort of, I don't know, just capacity for common sense or logic or capability of being just competitive, just I don't trust the organization. I definitely don't trust this structure that they're under right now, but I don't think it's going to last long. So I hope they can move out of the shadow and come to the light. But it, Mims should be up there with Rager. I just the whole situation just sucks so bad right now. So Mims could be the still the draft because if this changes and the structure changes and they have a third year breakout and they get a year to rebuild next year and then everything kind of comes on loose and they have a bunch of talent, a much younger talent, but with experience, not like brand new. Like the Giants have like really, really raw talent, you know, really young raw talent, but the Jets have they're going to be like beaten down and like, you know, you know, weathered by the storm with Donald having several, you know, a few years in the league, hurting a few years in the league, assuming he's not getting suspended. Mims is going to be a couple of years in the league, you know, P Ryan, if he's the running back of the future, because Bell will be gone in a couple of years. And these guys will be younger yet not truly youthful. And Mims could be like a steal in this entire draft. And I'm sure some people are much more higher on him than I am because he is going to get opportunity. I mean, he's, him and Rager arguably are what and what. I just trust Doug Peterson more than a serial killer. So, yeah, you know, and I like Mims, and I'm actually an Arnold, or a, a Darnold believer. I just don't like the situation he's in with Adam Gaze, and that, that to me is the biggest problem with Darnold. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the arm talent. Um, is he too busy hanging out in clubs late night, kissing random girls? Yeah, because you need to be a professional. You get paid a lot of money to do what you do. You shouldn't be going out kissing random girls and catching mono and being out for five or six weeks, which he was last year. But regardless of the situation, I think he's a good quarterback and I think he has potential. And I think Denzel Mims is a great fit here. And I think it's a great pick at, you know, pick four, four. No, yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's just a good, it's, it's a good lane. To spot. I think it's, this is, this is good value. This is not a reach. He didn't fall. This is kind of where he's going to go. No doubt. Yeah, I love it. No doubt about it. Uh, moving on to pick 2-5. Uh, you know, in 2-5, in the first, uh, first round, we took Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm, you know, wait, this is I'm you. I'm even. You're odd. <laughs> You're right. I am odd. So I don't know what I'm thinking here. I'm losing my mind. I don't know why. Um, but in, fir- in the first round, we took Jonathan Taylor. To me, uh, I think it's pretty obvious with the receivers left on the board. I think T. Higgins, uh, with the opportunity that he has, he's going to replace A.J. Green uh, at some point in the next year or two. Um, Him and uh, Joe Burrow have already been developing a rapport they've been throwing together uh, at some training camps that they were in prior to the draft. So he's already got a rapport there a little bit with Burrow. And, you know, I think he steps into a good opportunity um, 
He may not be someone who returns immediate value this year, but I think in the next two to three years as A.J. Green makes his exit, T. Higgins could be that quarterback who steps up into those shoes. And I know that's what Cincinnati drafted him for and what they're expecting. So I think T. Higgins could be someone who may not return value in a redraft this year, but in two to three years, he could be someone who is maybe the next A.J. Green for Cincinnati and that Joe Burrow-led offense. I support what you said. I I, uh, mirrored it earlier in a podcast, you know, with them having having that experience. And I think it's a good pick. It was going to be my pick. so I wish I would have taken your pick when you gave it to me when not knowing it was your turn. But uh, so I will go with mine. So I'm going to go uh, LaVisca Chenault because I think that he has – he's one of the guys that I think of the second round that you will be able to play as a wide receiver three in a lot of leagues because I think opposite Chark and what he is going to work well with what Gardner Minshew is going to do, um, you know, making plays after it kind of breaks down. The Jags are going to be bad on defense. They're, you know, not going to be – Great on offense, especially if they're trying to fade out Leonard Fournette and they start using more Chris Thompson and uh, Raquel Armstead. It's just it's it's not going to be a great situation when they've traded away all the best talent they had and whatever remaining best talent they have, they can't get rid of and they don't want to use. So, uh, you know, it's this is you know their this is their pick. This is their guy. He's a good number two. I think he's going to have longevity potential with immediate appeal. So, you know, I could see D. Lamb and Chenault. Honestly, week one, I'm probably starting Chenault if I have to over C.D. Lamb. And it may sound crazy, but I think that there is more week one opportunity. Well, how about this? I'll say week two because I would bet anything that Jerry wants to give uh, Lamb a touchdown week one. So week two, three, and four, I'm going Chenault. Week one, I'll go Lamb. <laughs> Yeah, I completely buy that because I'm sure week one, whoever the hell the Jaguars are playing, they're going to be losing by a good bit. And, hey, Chanel could be Mr. the new Mr. Garbage Time production in Jacksonville. So um, I, I agree with that. I, I do think Chanel has more value than CeeDee Lamb and, and redraft this year probably um, and, and even in the first year of the, of the rookie season. But CeeDee Lamb definitely going forward. Um, looking at pick 2-7, um, you know, the, the wide receiver run continues. You know, we've had, you know, five wide receivers picked already in the, in the second round. And I'm going to add to it by taking Brandon Ayuk, uh, going to San Francisco. Uh, to me, he's he's someone that's going to have some opportunity because outside of Debo Samuel at this point and George Kittle, they don't have a whole lot of receiving help. Uh, Dante Pettis hasn't been the answer. Trent Taylor wasn't really the answer. Um, so now you get, you know, Brandon Ayuk at Arizona State, 6-2. Uh, was, you know, pretty good at Arizona State. You know, under Herm Edwards, you know, played in kind of a pro style offense. Now goes over to San Francisco, and he has some good opportunity opposite of Debo Samuel. And I've heard some good comps that he's kind of comparable to Debo Samuel. So they may try to get him involved not only in the passing game but some of the running game. But you know, again, you know, the receiver run, as you said, has started. You know, this is now the uh, you know the fifth, the sixth receiver off the board uh, in the seventh round and the second yeah, round. Yeah, no doubt. And I, you know, it's just it's it's where the value's at. Um, I think Ayuk fits. You know, we talked about he fits what San Francisco wants. You know, I think people would have liked him to go see other play. They would have liked San Francisco to go in a different direction, and they probably would have liked Ayuk to go somewhere else because he is so similar to he is similar to Kittle in the same regards because he's such a yard after the catch type of guy. So he fits. He's a great NFL pick. I think he has fantasy upside. Um, I think it's going to get crowded, 
but you will be able to play him. And, you know, you never know what's going to shake out. And you know that he fits the scheme. Um, and that actually kind of ends my, my tier-esque where I feel like these guys are solid. So, actually, at this point, I kind of pivot back um, to running back here. And uh, I'm going to go Josh Kelly um, with the Chargers because I think that he is going to overtake Justin Jefferson. I mean, Justin Jefferson, um, Justin Jackson. And he's going to be the two to Eckler's clear one. But Eckler's going to, I think, get the lion's share of everything this year. And with that comes opportunity for injury. And I think that he will have maybe some low in flex appeal depending on how everything shakes out and depending on how much really not what they do with Eckler, but how much Jackson is involved. But I think that he's one play away from having immediate value. And I do think that, it, you know, it's going it, it will be him and Eckler going forward after this year, not necessarily Jackson, if he's able to hold up. So um, at this point I kind of pivot to the upside. I think it's a good fit for that offense. And I don't, you know, if you need a wide receiver here, obviously there's a whole lot of depth there. But um, he is one of the couple of running backs that I would splice in in between some of these wide receivers. Yeah, I like it, man. I, I like the boldness. I, I'm not as high on Josh Kelly as you are. Um, I do think he's a pretty good fit for that offense, and I do think he's going to take that number two role uh, behind Eckler. I, I heard the GM uh, say they wanted to use Josh Kelly in kind of the Melvin Gordon role, which if that is the case, um, getting him at pick two eight in the second round of a rookie draft is really damn good because if they do plan on using him in a Melvin Gordon type role, he should be, you know, in, the, in almost the first round, honestly. So, Hey, I like that pick at two, eight, you know, sticking with what you kind of said, you know, after I, you, you know, I, I do believe the wide receivers do kind of fall off, um, which is why I'm going to kind of peel back to the running backs. You know, I know in pick one, nine we took Keyshawn Vaughn, um, but at, pick two nine um i like another running back who's sitting there and that's anthony mcfarland jr over in pittsburgh i'm not a total believer in james connor they clearly don't believe in benny snell um jalen samuels to me is more of a kind of a ppr scat back type player so to me I think, you know, coming in here, Anthony McFarlane has a chance when, you know, James Conner, who has not been real healthy over the past couple of seasons, potentially goes down. And maybe they don't believe that James Conner is the long-term answer. Uh, maybe they believe Anthony McFarlane could step in and, and do this type of role that James Conner's been doing. To me, I think he's going to yeah, be I, in I, a great I, you know, opportunity. At this point, especially, I mean, the whole dynasty thing, you know, you're kind of picking who you want and, every argument we had about those high-end guys, you're going to have these arguments on these second-tier guys. So, you know, it's it, – at this point, he kind of falls into that Josh Kelly, you know, all the way down to, you know, a DJ Dallas type of situation. So, who do you like here? And, honestly, this is constantly fluctuating. Um, I've already veered off of my rankings a little bit um, that I had done that I have not redone based off of some things that have happened, fucking Frank Gore. But, um, you know – so it is what it is. So I'm up at the 110. What do I need? See, so this is a dynasty. God, this is tough. So it's really, this is, this, I honestly, this really comes down to team right now. Like the whole thing is calling down to team breakdown, but this really comes down to it. Like, do I need long, like I have older receivers or older running backs. Like, where am I at? 
Um, you know, because now these teams, you know, the 10, 11, 12 are probably better built, at least on the high end. So uh, with that being said, I will go for a little bit of longevity on this pick. I do think it's very close, but uh, I am going to go to Michael P. Ryan. Um, I think that is a good spot because he has the ageless wonder in front of him who will be there for one year now, Frank Gore. And then he has, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who is hated more than anybody else in the Jets organization because Adam Gase has not been able to assassinate him yet. So I do think P. Ryan will have opportunity this year. And I was much higher on P. Ryan before the Gore signing because only Adam Gase could make it even murkier in his, you know, toy chest room, his red room than anybody else. So it's getting weird in the running back room and the jet, you know, New York. It's, it's gross. There's swings, there's whips, there's plastic. And I, but I'm going P Ryan. Yeah. Um, I get it. I completely agree with what you're saying there. Um, he could end up spelling Le'Veon Bell. Um, again, it's really the Adam Gaines kind of story, you know, bringing in Frank Gore, which I, I don't know. Frank Gore needs to retire, in, in my point. But, you know, hey, to me, you know, to me, you're kind of going with who you know and who your guys are at this point. I like to pick it, Michael P. Ryan, uh, moving to 211. Um, I'm probably going to surprise a little bit of people here because I think, as you said, you're sitting at 211. Um, you're looking at you know, more longevity. You're probably a team that is maybe – you know, it was maybe a, a, a breakaway, a fumble or interception away from potentially hosting, hoisting a championship title in a dynasty league last year. So you may have that option in a super flex league. And to me, if you have the time to wait, I would probably, and I'm going to wow. take a 211 Jordan Love wow. because I think Aaron Rodgers is out the door. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be out the door. Um, if not, before this season, he's going to be out the door. I think after after next season, and I think Jordan Love is going to have a good opportunity um, to you know do some damage. He is a good thrower. He does need a little time to develop, and I think Matt Lafleur and company intend on you know coming through with that pick because uh, they didn't trade up to get Jordan Love for nothing. I think they're sick of Aaron Rodgers' bullshit, and I think Aaron. This is Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay, and the Jordan Love. Uh, story will start you know in 2021 and so if you have the chance which you should sit in that team you know in, in this 11th or 12th spot you should have the ability to be able to take someone like a jordan love in this situation and wait on him for a year and then potentially have a, hey, a look, solid starting quarterback folks, in 2021 no doubt about it i am uh yeah wait look <laughs> nothing to say after that i mean i don't want to fucking ruin that speech so you fucking, you're all in, man. Love, love. Go get it. But I agree with you. I agree with you. Like, if, I mean, if you're built, you know, similar <laughs> to my dynasty team, you know, I mean, you, you do it. And conveniently enough, I have the 211 and the 212 in our draft. So, fuck, I'm, I'm with you. I probably will do it. I'm doing it now just, and I'm fucking hashtagging everybody, no doubt about it. You better trade up if you want Jordan Love, bitches, because he ain't falling out of the second. Adam sold me. I'm ready. <laughs> But I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and kill this draft <laughs> right here. And uh, one thing that I trust is fucking death taxes and the Pittsburgh receiving scouting department. So I'm gonna go Chase Claypool, 
Yeah. For the upside, for the fact that they fucking draft receivers. Everything you hear coming out of Pittsburgh is Juju is done after this year. You don't expect Ben to be there much longer. I'm surprised they didn't make a move for, you know, a better backup. Um, it's, it's, it's stunning with who is out there, especially this year. You know, people that know the division like Dalton or Jameis with the upside, which I guess the Steelers did offer. Am I right? The Steelers offered Jameis, and Jameis is like, no, I want to make 20. I want to get a po' boy and $25 and go fucking learn yes. how to read from Drew Brees or something. So I'm just, you know, like, <laughs> yes, that, that is where you wanted Jameis to go um, for every reason. But I think that, you know, they're saying he's going to play on the outside. You know, he's a big son of a bitch. And, you know, if they think he can do it, I think he can do it. And, you know, you're kind of at this point, um, there's a still, I mean, and I'm looking at my board, you know, cause I think we're about to kill it, but there is six, seven more picks that I'm, I, I could feel really good about it right here. Six, six solid picks that I would feel good at this point, but you know, that's where I'll draw my line. And, you know, I think, you know, like I said, like we've said multiple times, I mean, first two rounds are just loaded with talent, you know, and I think you honestly, you go into the third and it's going to shake out more and more and it's going to be a lot clearer. And some, you know, well, we, a lot of people we touched on not only have high, high future upside, but they're much, the reason that they're drafting the first two rounds is because they're much closer to the immediate, but you know, you can see a lot of um, longevity for some of these other guys. I mean, obviously we haven't touched a tight end yet because most of those guys don't, break out until their second or third year. But, you know, when you get to that third, fourth round, that's where you start throwing, you know, darts on those guys. And you kind of – that's where you need to be strategic and playing ahead with, you know, shit. You know, I have Ertz. You know, maybe I need to look at a, you know, Commit or a Trotman or a Bryant or somebody like that. So. Yeah, and we'll go through, you know, a little bit, some late round dart throws. But, man, I really enjoyed doing the podcast tonight, doing this, you know, this super flex rookie mock draft. I really had a lot of fun. I think it was pretty entertaining. I think hopefully it'll come across pretty well uh, to some of our listeners. So, uh, as Vincent said, we're going to kind of kill it here at the end of the second round. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, talking some more about it on Thursday. But uh, other than that, I hope you guys have a good night and enjoy the podcast. Absolutely. Y'all send us some questions. I know we're going to be looking at doing our uh, first redraft of the offseason coming up here soon. And remember, knowledge is power.